Hey guys, it's Dawn and I wanted to let you know about a new space I'm creating called What's the Truth Community. If you experience trauma in childhood, the truth can be really elusive. In toxic families, the truth of what goes on behind closed doors is hidden. And I speak to people every day who are only just now beginning to discover the truth of who they really are years later because we were given so many false beliefs about ourselves. Nobody loves you. You should be ashamed. You'll never amount to anything. All the lies are manipulation within toxic family homes. But each belief that gets filed away in your subconscious mind is so powerful. Each belief changes every choice you make and that can change the entire direction of your life. If you are ready to create a beautiful life for yourself, come and join me in the What's the Truth community. By sharing truth, we are learning to step out of the fog and see what is the truth of your life so far. Because once you can see it, you can fix it. We are going to be talking about truth so that you can finally live in peace, freedom and authenticity. In the What's the Truth membership, you will have access to subscriber-only episodes, all ad-free and all for the cost of a cup of coffee a month. This is the most important community you will become a part of this year. If you listen via the Apple Podcasts app, you can sign up right there in the app. And if you listen on any other platform, you can sign up via Supercast. It's super easy and the links are in the show notes. This is your safe space. I'm so excited for you to join me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Desperate and in despair, I knew like I needed to change. So I met this lady. Oh my goodness, she was rich looking lady and she brought me to her house she offered me fancy coffee and sweets and I was so impressed she told me she would be able to find me a job no specifics just a job and her team went to work welcome to how my parents raised me I'm Dawn Chitty When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives and that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand What makes you, you? What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them? How they got through? 
and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey, my beautiful friend, do you suffer from depression? Symptoms of depression are not always obvious. You might feel constantly tired. You might be low in energy, low in motivation. You might have constant feelings of anxiety or worry, feelings of sadness or feeling constantly guilty about everything. If this sounds like you, take a look at Destroy Depression. It's a treatment plan that works regardless of your symptoms or your age. It's a totally drug-free, straightforward plan that explains everything you need to know about eliminating depression step by step. Destroy Depression helps you dominate your depression. It helps you take back control over your symptoms and it comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee so you really have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Click the link in the show notes to find out more about how Destroy Depression can help you because you really do deserve to live your life free from the symptoms of depression. Hey, my beautiful friends. Do you have trouble sleeping? Do you have PTSD, restless leg syndrome, obsessive compulsive disorder, autism, depression or anxiety? If you answered yes to any of these conditions, you need to head over to the Heal blog and see my post about weighted blankets. Sleeping with a weighted blanket is like giving your mind and body a warm hug. Draping a weighted blanket across your body or part of your body provides just enough gentle pressure to reduce the stress hormone cortisol. It can also stimulate the release of feel-good chemicals into your system, oxytocin, melatonin and serotonin. Collectively, these chemicals relax the body, reduce stress and induce a general feeling of happiness and security. Go across to howmyparentsraisedme.com forward slash blog and find out about how sleeping with a weighted blanket is helping trauma survivors to get a better night's sleep. Human trafficking is the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring or receipt of people through force, fraud, coercion or deception with the aim of exploiting them for profit. The statistics for human trafficking are staggering. Back in 2017, the International Labour Organization estimated that there were almost 25 million victims of human trafficking around the world on any given day. Worldwide, almost 20% of all trafficking victims are children. And whilst trafficking seems to imply people being transported across continents, most exploitation takes place closer to home. But today's episode is not about statistics. This is about a human life. What happens to a child growing up that leads them to become a victim of human trafficking? 
Today, I'm hearing Lena's story and what she has to tell you will shock you and bring you to tears. It's a story she has told no one for over 20 years. Lena grew up in Ukraine in a very unsafe, dysfunctional home. One of the biggest reasons that a child ends up being trafficked is a dysfunctional family, a child who is not protected or connected. Lena has written a book called Miraculous, My Journey from Hell to Heaven, and she has a podcast and a website where you can find out more about the topic of human trafficking. All links are in the show notes. Trigger warning, Lena's story involves rape amongst other triggering topics. So please take care in listening to this episode. Please join me now for Lena's story. Lena, you were born and raised in Ukraine and you are a victim of human trafficking. You are a social justice advocate, a blogger, a speaker, a podcaster, and you've written a book called Miraculous, A Journey from Hell to Heaven, which is your personal account of being a victim of human trafficking and how you are able to turn your life around. Your mission with the book is to give hope to people who are struggling to believe that there is a purpose in their life because you've been there and you now have the life you would only have dreamt of growing up. It's such a beautiful mission, Lena. One of the biggest reasons that a child ends up being trafficked is a dysfunctional family. Can we go back to the beginning and can you tell us about your early childhood? What was going on for you in your family home? Yes, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me. And I would have never imagined that after 20 years of silence, I would be standing on stage in front of hundreds of people and that my story going to be broadcasted like all over social media Because in the past, I was afraid of judgment and rejection because I thought like my story was of guilt, shame and condemnation. But now I know this is God's story of salvation, of overcoming adversity, surviving and overcoming trauma. So I was born, as you said, in Ukraine and my parents struggle in the marriage. They... uh, became an alcoholics and lost well-paid jobs at our home the government turned off the electricity and hot water for outstanding bills i was struggling poverty trying to survive and my home was infested with mold cockroaches and mice and honestly i was raised in a home full of stranger strangers who brought booze and drugs with parents who did nothing to protect me so I became an easy target for those guys. And sometimes like I was drugged and raped in the basement of my apartment. When I thought th- things couldn't get any worse, one month before my 15th birthday, I woke up with severe abdominal pain, scared and confused, only to realize I was in labor. I didn't know I was pregnant and I didn't know who her father was. So my baby girl... My baby girl died three months later from health complications. I buried her when I was 15 and I suffered with depression, anxiety, and panic attacks 
So I used alcohol and drugs to mitigate my pain. I turned to heroin because it was better to be high than feeling worthless, hopeless, abandoned, and so broken. And as the years went by, I saw people dying around me or who went to jail. And desperate and in despair, I knew like I needed to change. So I met this lady. Oh my goodness, she was rich-looking lady and she brought me to her house she offered me fancy coffee and sweets and I was so impressed she told me she would be able to find me a job no specifics just a job and her team went to work still on heavy drugs I vaguely remember in the report and how I got through customs I never know just one morning I woke up here in the Muslim call to prayer Allah ran out. So I was scared and confused because I actually realized I'm in a foreign country. So that nice, rich-looking lady sold me into human trafficking. I find out I was in Cairo, Egypt, and then I was forced to crawl under the barbed wire to cross in Israel border, and then I was sold into the brothel. And honestly, I've learned that it was very important what brothel that you end up with because most of the girls who came with me, they died, went missing, or never seen again. Although it was a horrible situation, guys, of course, but it was upgrade for me because compared to my home life, and I was clean, I was fed, I made a little bit money, and nobody could rape me or beat me to death. So in the brothel, one of my bodyguards actually shared the good news of God's love with me. So when my grandfather had a heart attack, I went to Jerusalem to pray the Valen Wall. And honestly, God answered my prayer. And that's what triggered me to leave. And honestly, guys, in most cases, you would never leave this kind of situation in life unless you have been rescued. But again, by the grace of God, Almost two years later, they set me free and I was allowed to go home. So honestly, I was thinking, now I'm going to build a new life. But my other bodyguard, who was like a brother to me, stole all of my possession, like literally cheated me out of everything I have. And my trustworthy aunt stole and spent all my money. So I felt so devastated and betrayed. And I started with level zero again so I turned to what was familiar and I became the right hand of the number one drug dealer in my city and I had unlimited amount of drugs money and influence but it wasn't safe I had to get away or I would be dead of overdose or possibly end up in jail or even being murdered so I didn't know what to do So I actually sold myself again into sex trade. Why wouldn't I? This is all I knew. So this time they actually trafficked me to Canada. And I ended up on drugs, alcohol again. But here in Canada, I actually have an opportunity to start a new life. And I took it. I actually escaped the sex slavery. I live in shelter. I learned English from level zero. And I applied to and graduated from cosmetology school and I became a hairstylist. And in 2011, I gave my life to Christ. Then I published my book 
And today I am a wife and a mother of three beautiful children. I'm author, I'm social justice advocate, blogger, and host of my own Love and Beloved podcast. Wow, what a story. My goodness, my goodness. Just, oh, just going back to when you were 15, how terrifying that must have been to to have a baby and, and you didn't know that you were even pregnant. Is that right? Absolutely. And if you guys ever read my book, there is the story about how my mother actually uh, once in her lifetime was really kind to me when that time I was in so much pain, that time she or I didn't know that I was in labor, but I had so much pain for almost like more than 24 hours. I thought I'm going to die because I felt like all my bones breaking and plus like I didn't know what's happening. I was a kid, you know, and this is only one time that she was really kind to me. So she actually tried to comfort in, comforting me, comforting me. So she was, I lay down and she was like petting my head and she was really, really show me the love or kindness in that moment. But then she realized that something is really bad going on and I needed a doctor. So she brought me to the clinic and the doctor said that she can hear the heartbeat and I'm delivering the baby. So I was in so much shock because I was thinking, you have to be pregnant to have a baby. And she said, yes, you need to go to the hospital right away because the baby is coming. So that time my mother brought me to the hospital and she just left me because the doctor that was on call, this gentleman, very famous, like in my city, he saw the situation, he heard the situation, he knows that I never been at the doctor, he knows that this child inside of me was neglected, he knew all the situation by the few words, and he starts scrolling us, he starts literally being so mad at me and my mother, which is like was ridiculous. Now I understand this is like another level of trauma on me, because I'm in shock. And but she literally she didn't want to hear it she's like I don't need this so she left me she literally like just left me and that add another level of the trauma because I already felt like abandoned by her in just in general by her lifestyle and our relationships but that add another like literally a level of hate in my heart for her you know, for very, very long time thinking like, how could you abandon me in that moment when I needed you the most? And then after the baby was born, I was in other thinking like, I'm like stupid 15 year old. Where were you? You had three kids. Like, really? Like, I didn't know. But you living still there you know like how can you be so ignorant of your own child not seen it was like the baby was like delivered it was eight months she was eight months old so I have I understand I was in gain weight because of the starvation and all that stuff and I was throwing up half of the time because I was drinking and smoking so like you could not really pinpoint it this stuff but still they're like for a growing up, growing woman, 
you could actually see the signs. Look, mm-hmm. I have my two, my sister-in-law came a little bit like off topic, but they came to one time babysit my my oldest daughter. And I look at my sister-in-law, I'm thinking like, you feel so tight. You lay in everywhere. I'm like, you're pregnant. This is me after my first child. And my baby was that time, like, I don't know, two years old. So I'm not super professional mom or something with tons of experience. And I look at this woman, I'm like, okay, she eats double portion. She lay down, sleep like all tight. I'm like saying to my sister-in-law, I think you're pregnant. She's like, no, I think you are. And she went and she did the test and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm having a baby. And then another girl like the same. So you can see that if you are a mom and you have those signs, you have right away that, I don't know, intuition, light bulb, like whatever it is, you know? So that's kind of hit me hard that I'm thinking like, where were you? You know, like, how can you be so ignorant that you don't even pay attention, like how I feel, how I behave to actually pinpoint that something's wrong with me, you know? Did your mom have any idea about what had happened to you with these people that were coming into the house and the rape that that occurred did did your mum know that this was happening oh yeah my mom my dad police the doctors because I end up in the hospital with like broken arms or concussion or being so drunk and beaten or something like that like and that's it literally like police would come and or to the hospital to my house and they're like oh it's you and they like just leave and even like when I had this baby like nobody even asked oh there's like 15 year old like had had the child that time actually I was 14 I had the 15 year birthday like months after her being born like no there was no child services came there was no therapies or counseling or something you know because now I live in this beautiful country that something happening they already like right on like what's going on like do your child needs help do you need this service or that service like but then nobody asked they literally even after that I got pregnant a few times and I was so scared that I'm gonna have a baby and I'm gonna go through that that I had abortion guess what I could go get the abortion like after I was like 15 16 years old I went there like going to the dentist they never asked me who get me pregnant they never called my parents they literally would do the abortion on this kid and talk about the vacation wow that's how bizarre it's all is now I understand it bizarre but I I was like literally like I felt like nobody cares like nobody just cares well you weren't just let down and completely abandoned by your mother and your father you're abandoned by everybody in the system I mean nobody not one person in that situation has looked and said this girl needs some help it's just incredible isn't it how oh, you know, you're so violated, you're so unsafe, and yet 
not one person is recognizing that and you're just surviving aren't you you're just a kid who knows nothing else you're just trying to survive your life and that's why when that woman came into my life I did everything they asked me to do because I want that I needed that they play perfectly on every human need that I was lacking so they like you know because sometimes we're thinking like oh you have to be in chains how could you do this like you know they emotionally enslaved me Mm. why because in the beginning they clean me they dress me they they wash my hair like after being like street junkie you know for you maybe like you guys thinking like oh what's they like washing my hair and stuff yeah I was like physically clean for a first time long time for a first time but they went above and beyond they took me to the hair salon I was in the hair salon salon for a first time in my life that somebody else washed my hair and I was like blowing away I'm like oh my gosh and then they dress me they they like love on me but it's like all fake you know yeah. to it's like you know the golden cage they got me into it and then they closed the door and then they took away my passport they took away all my really human rights and then I'm like okay I have like nowhere to go and they put me in jail so now like I was enslaved no matter where like and where where I gonna go where I gonna run home where is the home you know there was no home well that's it and and as you say you know it it is kids from dysfunctional homes that are the biggest target just going back to that that child that you gave birth to and you said that the child died after three months so were you living at home with your your family and the baby well that's that's another very very hard story because after she was born I was in that operating room or delivery room and I could see her I would like lift half my body to see her and she was wiggling and she was alive and she was making noises. And I was thinking like, where were you in my body that I didn't even feel you moving or kicking or anything like that? I was so shocked, but I knew because I was drinking, I was raped, I was beaten. I was smoking marijuana or doing whatever, all sorts of things to cope with my crazy reality. I knew that something going to be wrong because still going to school or hearing the story. So when the pediatrician came, she checked, like she have all of the parts of the body was like she was fully formed, except she didn't have the part like that separate our mouth and nose. Ah, so she was like cleft palate or not only that I I do I do have like scientific name on this like I actually researched it in the book but the fact is not only cleft palate she she didn't have a roof of her mouth so every time she would drink milk she would choke because it would come out from the nose no so she could not swallow so if you cannot swallow 
you cannot feed if you cannot mm. feed they actually give her sentence right away like literally next day they ask me and my mother to come to the doctor again to the same doctor and he's like he give me give us another like long lecture about everything's going on and he said that I cannot take her home because she need medical care and like intensive medical care and only for the time being they say that they will take care of her until she's gonna be gone but they didn't give her much time but the thing that really shocked me and probably harmed me the most that they actually asked me to like sign her like sign away my parental rights because that only one way they could keep her and and take care of her until she would pass away I don't know why I don't know how but they asked me to actually give her up for her to stay in the hospital so that's really broke me because I was ready to take care of her like I was ready to do anything that I can but my mother at the way said like you're not bringing her home who gonna be looking after her you so that was really depressing and the lady who actually was my nurse she said to me honey you're not gonna be able to care for her she needs like intensive medical care she has to stay here but they asked me to give her a name my last name and sign off like my parental rights so that's really hurt me because I was like oh my gosh I'm just like my mother I just abandoned my baby and she's mm-hmm. gonna be dying here alone so that's definitely like was huge stress but uh, one of my friend mother was working as a nurse like in nearby unit so she was actually was able to see her and give me some some updates and stuff like that which is another bizarre thing like why wouldn't they keep like reaching out to me like what they they just didn't care or whatever like yeah whatever the system was like so bizarre so they cut me off you know they didn't even allow me to see her they didn't give me like any information they're like okay she's not your problem anymore or she's not your child anymore they just took it away but when she passed away they actually call me and they say what do you want to do i'm like i, I want to bury her because at least that i can do for her because i don't want her to be like just cremated or something disappear so i actually went and borrow money from my friends and my friends went with me to the cemetery so i actually got the casket it was this big so mm-hmm. i actually carried that casket on my arms to the cemetery and for the next 20 years i carried that image like in my mind and in my soul so I remember how they dig the hole in this like frozen ground and it's so interesting people like was getting ready to celebrate Christmas and New Year I was like burying my first child it's like 15 years old yeah that's yeah. the trauma that is a trauma and that is I mean it's 
it's you're 15 and you you've gone through hell already so much isn't it for for a kid to deal with you and you've got nobody on your side and like you say all of a sudden this woman turns up in your life and she promises you you know something different she she gives you beautiful things makes you feel that you're cared for and this is the start of your human trafficking journey oh it's so much isn't it so did you immediately get taken into a different country how long did that was that process from when you met the lady I actually cannot really recall because I still was like on really heavy drugs so it's kind of like seems like a dream you know like everything was going on it's but I just want to comment a little bit on the fact that yeah it is was like dysfunctional family but you guys at this time it's kind of huge misconception this is like definitely dysfunctional family it's one of the things that can happen but now they praying on anyone and everywhere. The kids who are sitting in front of computer, they don't have to be like raped and beaten at home to feel neglected. They can have wonderful parents who love them to death, who working so hard to provide for them. But if they busy at work, neglect, it's a still trauma and they, they still predator looking for that and gonna fulfill those needs. And you know what? So be careful. Like watch what your kids doing, watch their behavior. If something changes in your child or your friend or your be like in your sphere, like if you see somebody being life of the party and then they become really depressed and paranoid, ask them more questions. You know, it might be like not human trafficking situation, but you never know. You might save someone's life. So that's what I want to point it out because mm. sometimes we like waiting for something. If you see abuse in the family, it's definitely there is going on something. But sometimes it's so hard to actually see the human trafficking. And you don't even need to be travel like, you know, trafficked to another country. Like, honestly, like people trafficking other people in their own homes. So, so be very careful. This beast honestly devour anyone. It does not discriminate against gender or race or age. Honestly, guys, just be vigilant. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, a little bit about that story too. Like I was just so far on drugs. I'm even surprised that I survived because when I woke up, I was already at least 24 hours the drugs was in my system. So I actually was getting through withdrawals. And I don't know, I want to say like, did you ever try to get off from heroin, like dry, but it's probably like divorce pain. And I don't, I don't know, I do believe like I survived by the grace of God, because people don't quit a heroin, because most of the time body cannot handle and you just die. But recover and in the beginning it was so interesting because that's another thing that my I don't know my mind couldn't understand that I was so 
excited by my surroundings because I thought I'm gonna be dead. I thought I'm gonna be dead on the street. I thought I'm gonna be dead before that when I've been beaten, raped. I thought I'm gonna be dead of overdose. And now I'm in this new country and everything like so different. And they're taking us to eat in restaurants and we're going to this beautiful city where like every building painting white you know if you guys see that I don't know Santorini or something like this in Greece you know beautiful like blue ocean with the sun it's like it's so miraculous and like we we're trying this unique cuisine you know everything smells so good and like we've been cared for and we like traveling and all this stuff so honestly, it does not even land in my mind still that I'm in harm's way uh-huh. because it's just so glorious. It couldn't be like nothing bad happening. And it was probably like few days. I don't remember like how many days we were there, but because I was like, when I was like still sick, nobody just touched me, like, or talk to me or anything like that. But when I start recovering and start like, like clean up and all this stuff, they start taking us to like restaurants and all this stuff. It was so amazing. So even like more than I ever thought was possible for me until one of these days that we've been in that um, new city, police raided our hotel and they arrest all of us. And they brought us to police station, but nobody spoke Russian and they couldn't get like more information from us, like because we were given a script and we have to say the same thing because they drill us through all this time. And so those two guys who been with us, like our guides, they've been arrested because they got flagged as a human trafficking. So like the traffickers. So they arrest one of the guy and they try to hold us, but they had no any other premises and they have no translator. So they like, I don't know how it happens, but they let us go. And so another guy who was not arrested, he took us right away to the desert. So we drove like far and then I think that's when for the first time I was seeing the desert and I'm thinking like, okay, this is something like bad gonna happen. So literally they just left us with two huge Middle Eastern men who was armed. And that's where I knew that, okay, this is bad. So they actually sold out to those guys and those guys forced us to crawl under the barbed wire so then in the middle of the night i see the like the the post you know israeli post like there's soldiers with the machine guns and i'm thinking this is crazy we could die here you know and it was so scary like literally nobody talked or anything like that so because we've been late because we've been arrested there was no one on another side to receive us so they pushed us back they hold us in the tent until the morning then they put us on the back of the truck and threw like heavy spare tires on top of us and and cover us with tarp 
and we actually drove through the post check post and crossed the border that way next day and then we've been sold into the brothel my goodness and how how many of you were there i think like there was like five five girls like yeah wow so you were in israel in a brothel and you said that a lot of those girls didn't survive yeah and i heard like really really scary stories you know and that was the important like where you end up in because it was terrifying actually yeah Mm. it's been bad because i heard the story of like raped and abuse and killing and 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 drug abuse and they they force the drugs until like they they try to like sub- submission you know they try to enslave people and drugs is number one to do it but yeah it's it's been scary to hear all that stuff you know yeah absolutely and you well you were well I say fortunate enough, it sounds ridiculous, but you were fortunate enough to to go to a brothel where you were taken care of better. And how long were you there for? Almost two years. But mm. I remember that first first day that I was there and I'm thinking like how crazy they probably saw me. So I was wearing plaid short boots and jeans and I have two braids because back home it was winter but here it was like 60 degree summer but I still wearing the winter clothes and all of these ladies already who've been a while there they thought oh my gosh it's a kid here and I was the youngest there because I just turned 18 literally like a couple months prior to that and they try to kind of like comfort me and support me in some kind of way. And actually, of course, I was like a porcupine, you know, I've been on my own for so long. So they realized really fast that I don't need them. I don't need their care. And after like, so they just throw me in after like having like all this clients and then all this stuff they realized that I have like drama this big and the guy came with this box with different like that time I was thinking like yogurt or some kind of like jam or whatever so all I remember from that night eating that yogurt and thinking like oh my gosh this food tastes amazing so can you imagine how mine's so messed up that it doesn't think about whatever happened to me just now? Like literally it's like blank, but the food make me like almost shake yeah. of the like, because I never tried this flavor. I never felt like this way because of the food. So I actually just started talking about this moment because it wasn't even there for a long time because now I'm openly speaking about this and those kind of moments come to light to me and I want to share them because that's how mind actually blocking the trauma that's how it's trying to survive and I think only because of that I didn't kill myself I didn't overdose myself on purpose 
and I didn't went to the point like of no return in my mind because my mind just like again I think it's a miracle it just chose to like block and make it disappear and of course drugs was like was like my medication because until I start like met my husband and decide to be clean and quit everything and had a baby and I was clean almost a year before I had her so she held in thanks God but then it hit me with postpartum and my tormenting from my past I never been so like emotionally and mentally like broken because I had nothing to medicate with and nobody diagnosed me. So I went on a drive probably next four years with anxieties, panic attacks, postpartum depression. And then I realized how bad it was. And I'm thinking that the drugs actually like just numb me through all mm. this time. And that's why I was seeking drugs. And honestly, guys, that's how I believe we have to have passion and compassion to those people who stuck in this turmoil and using drugs, you know, to actually medicate their pain. So they drug addicts, alcoholics, not because they want it and they love it. There is trauma, 100%. And now because I'm on a healthy side and with a healthy mindset, I go to therapy, counseling. I have like huge support group, you know, you look for more healthy way to cope with the trauma rather than drugs you know because drugs just numb it but you don't deal with the trauma so mm -hmm. we need to support people like that and if you oh, need absolutely. the support you need to ask for help absolutely absolutely and it's so true isn't it i mean i'm sure most people are not you know running around taking drugs because for any reason except that they're trying to numb pain and it's a survival mechanism and it's it's so obvious like you say when people have their own children and then they don't have that way to numb the pain it all comes out say hello to a new era of mental health care cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online you'll experience the all new cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Oh, and how did you get out of that Israel brothel? Well, actually, there's another, like... I, I honestly, I always say this is God's grace and God's grace. I don't know what you guys believe, but honestly, I cannot attribute this to anything or anyone. It's just so miraculous and supernatural. It happened to me like that. It cannot be like I decide to leave and I already pay off all my debts to them. And because the people who was my like owners, 
they actually allowed me to go. They like, okay, you know what? You done, you pay your dues. When do you want to leave? And that's why like, it's impossible because I'm now working with so many organizations who deal in with the human trafficking. This is not happening. You have to be rescued. But first time they let me go. Second time I run away and I was saved. You know, like this is just amazing. So, but the interesting part that I want to point out about that, when I came in a report, I give them my passport. I went through customs. They pulled me away or aside because I had no visa. I didn't enter the country legally. Mm. And do you know what they did? They look at each other. They smirk at each other. They laughed. They didn't ask me where I was this almost two years. They didn't ask me what I was doing. They knew exactly who I am and what I'm doing there. They give me the passport. They didn't like search me like anything special. They look through my stuff and they send me home. Wow. Wow. They know. Everybody knows. Yeah. Wow. And so when you were there with all these other women, was anybody else able to leave in that way? I don't know. Like probably, but some of the girls just wanted to stay because they have like nothing else, you know? And that's what interesting that in that place that I was, Literally, we have all the women, different ages, different backgrounds, and most of them, like, they, that's what they did, you know, mm. for, like, to support the family, to support themselves, because it's, like, they have nowhere to go, not, nothing to do the same, the same as for me, like, you know, if I would not have that eternal, I don't know, calling to actually to be more you know I'm like I want to be more and that story of my life I think every time like I was like ready to give up on my life and thinking like is this life worth living in the very depth of my falling I can hear it in my spirit like you've been made for more I'm like I want that more I don't know how it's look like but I want that more and that's what drove me to actually escape the human trafficking because here in Canada, actually for a first time, I was over 20 years old. For a first time, somebody told me that you have rights. I'm like, what kind of rights? They're like human rights. I'm like, what is that? How bizarre is that? My kids learning this in like, I don't know, grade one, they already know what their rights are. And they even trying to give me like their rights. I was like, excuse <laughs> me. You know what I mean? But I encourage that because I want them to know who they are. I want them to stand up for themselves. I I want them to know that this is their personal space and nobody can touch them or force them into anything. Like I want them to speak their truth and have their opinion and say, no, this is, sounds like emotional abuse. This is toxic. I'm not going to take that. And I have somewhere to go. I have people who will take care of me. I'm not alone and you're not going to trap me in this. You're not going to be used to me and abuse me because I've worth more and I'm enough. Okay. That's what I teach in my kids because that's important. I never thought that my life had worth or value. I never thought that my body is sacred and supposed to be like saved for something special like marriage or relationship. No, it was my commodity because it was my 
like something that I can use to eat, to live, like or to drugs, whatever it is, because that's how it's become from beginning. So it's become my normal. So now my kids, even sometimes to me, thanks God, because that now I see those my teaching. They set the boundaries. I'm like, this is the healthy boundary. I appreciate that. Like, for example, when they were little, especially like my oldest one, I don't know, I get them out of the house and I kind of put her butt and she turned around to me like I think she was in grade five and she turned around and she said, mom, I'm not a baby anymore. I don't like this. And I said, okay, I understand. This is your body. You have to tell me because that's how I know how to treat you. And then she come home and she goes like, mom, I know you probably said that I'm growing up and I don't want like your hugs and kisses in front of the bus and you're patting my butt. So you can do it here at home. I said, nope, that's unacceptable. This is your boundary and I'm going to respect you. If you told me, that it's not okay for you. It doesn't matter how I feel about this. You should stay your ground. And that's how I taught them through the years. So they know, they know. And I think that's, I don't know, breaking that generational like mindset that somebody can do something like, you know, but because nobody doing on purpose, everybody have a trauma, but we're responsible for our own behavior our own words our own thoughts and I do believe like thanks God my husband and I on the same page about everything with other kids we have amazing school that our teacher on the same page as well so I do believe like I'm so proud the kids are amazing they're brilliant they're good kids they're hooligans still don't guys think like oh she praised in her kids they're so amazing no they still hard work and discipline you know and they do all the kids stuff you know but as a human being I do believe that they gonna be like good part of society they're gonna stand up for what is right and they're gonna know what is right because they know so and that's came from my past too and from my experience and I'm grateful for that I'm grateful who I am now because without my past I wouldn't be who I am and I love who I am now I just love who I am so yeah (laughs) oh my gosh everything you just said it's just everything it's just everything what you just said I mean it's exactly how we should be raising our kids just to know what their rights are it's just so simple but it it in history it kids haven't had any rights we haven't We've been the bottom of the food food chain and we just had to survive. And when you speak that way, it just gives me so much hope for the future that kids know what their rights are, that they turn around and that we can have that beautiful conversation where nobody's shouting and getting angry. It's like, mum, that that doesn't work for me. And you say, if it doesn't work for you, I'm not going to do it. And that's like, oh, it's just the key to to all of it it's just communication and it's so so incredibly important and obviously after everything you went through you finally met your now husband that must have been a life-changing point in your life as well yes absolutely and honestly when I come out from human trafficking I was thinking I just gonna copy 
everybody like i'm doing normal in quotation every normal human being what they do oh they go into school they achieve the medals and trophies they doing sports so literally i went with this mindset of creating my new persona so literally i was not looking for a husband i was not looking for a relationship relationships and plus like the going through my life like honestly i think that's really what saved me and you would say like so how you have the healthy relationship because through all of my history only my grandparents of 50 years 52 years now ago they only one couple that been together through through thick and thin they build their legacy they have a hell of a marriage but they stuck together and they got through it and i'm like okay so that's possible so not everybody cheaters liars schemers whatever but after them 50 years and all the generation after them everybody got divorced messed up like all my families like not only mine all of them and plus families around me and plus like the in the brothel all those guys they all been married some of them just been married and i'm like how could you do what you do you know but it's all like trauma but somewhere behind in my mind i was like well it's still possible because they did it they were like hugging and kissing 50 years after they married so like something is there so like i kind of like somewhere secretly in my heart believe in true love and when I started learning English, I actually read these novels, you know, because it was really easy to read. So they like knight in shining armor, all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, like it's impossible. So what's interesting though, that when I started going to school, I actually finished government credit school. So the government paid for me to finish school and I became a hairstylist I got the job and I was start doing taekwondo I actually got the black belt so I was like I was like on achieve mode I got my medals my trophies and I'm like okay still I have no worth of value because I assumed that when you get everything that you wanted you're gonna have peace because mm -hmm. now I have no drugs so I know how my anxiety hitting how my tormented like this imposter syndrome I'm not good enough who do you think you are like and all this mess of the past was like just flooding me and then I met this boy who like totally was like head over heels like fall in love with me and I'm like love are you nuts like that's something ridiculous who even say that and I totally thought it's gonna be just a fleeing and because I did not even like plan or anything but I do believe God was loving me through this boy because he was like just relentless he's like I'm not gonna stop until I have you and I'm like okay this is kind of interesting because nobody ever said that to me and honestly I just came out like maybe a year from this complete mess and drugs and all this stuff and now I've been like clean, but I still like, I was obnoxious. I was loud. I was insecure because I'm like, how am I supposed to behave? And his family is a church going family. His father is a pastor. So they always 
all like his moms and his sisters are so quiet and kind and me like loud and different color hair and like my tongue was pierced and I have tattoos and makeups and I'm smoking that time on like smoking I was smoking and and then he starts staying over at my house and they're like was like completely in shock they're like oh we have to do this with the marriage I'm like what marriage like what are you talking about we just start dating we just like fooling around they're like oh thank you like and and because he was like baby of the family they like were so overprotective I'm like what's your problem I don't I don't get it what's your problem but it's so interesting because yeah he's his mom actually just passed away last year from cancer and we were able to you know to visit her in her last days and I pray with her and I cry with her and she said honestly you've changed you like been such a gift to my son and this family I was so beautiful because when they find out we actually got pregnant before we got married and uh, she said to me, you know, that's not how we do in our family, but God has planned for you. And literally they accepted me, they accepted our child and they just back us up. Like, and then, I don't know, four years later, I gave my life to Christ and then end up having like three children, clean home. I never touched the drugs since that day. I never lied to to him or anyone I was loyal I was I don't know devoted and that's literally changed my life because he actually saw me the way that I am today I don't know how but it was very hard I don't know I do believe again it's just God's grace because to have a marriage with broken person and the person who was like that broken you need just supernatural power because I don't think it's love that hold us together. And it's so interesting because I said to him, is that how much you love me? He's like, no, 80% I stay with you because I was committed to you and to the kids. So he just chose not to leave, literally. And that's what actually kept us really together that we just decide that we're not going to leave. Because in the beginning, actually what happened too, especially like when the baby was so small and I was still so angry and so messed up. And I keep saying to him, get out. I don't need you. I never need anyone. So, he, And he would look at me and he said, something wrong with you, woman. I'm going to talk to you later. And he just leaves. I'm like, what? You're not going to fight? You're not going to argue? But so interesting when he proposed to me I actually wrote him a letter like six pages and I cry so hard because I knew if he gonna read it he gonna walk away because I would not marry me so I want to be honest with him because I didn't want him to marry me without knowing who I am because that would be starting our marriage on a lie so I given I, I give him that letter and I said to him, like, you can make a choice and I will understand. And that's it. And I left it up to him. But he said to me, this is between you and God. Your past is between you and God. And I love you for who you are now. And he just said, you can burn it, rip it off, 
pray over it, whatever you want to do. I don't want to read it. And it's so interesting that when the book was actually with editor, I said to him, do you want to read the book or you want to hear the story? So he said, I want to hear the story. So I we drop off our three kids at the church. We went to this like special place of his that he likes, you know, like right on the hill. And you can see like all the city and their nature. It was so beautiful and it was sunset and it was so peaceful and so beautiful. And I just laid it out on him and he was like standing kind of looking forward. And I was talking to the side of his profile. And when I'm done, and I probably said more to him than made it to the book. He was really quiet. So it's really scared me because we've been already married for like, I don't know, like over like that time now with 16 years together. So probably like what 12 years like was that time. Anyway, so it was like three kids and the home. We have a life together. And then I said to him, are you angry? Are you angry at me? Would you like to know this beforehand? Like, what are you thinking? And he actually said like two things. He said, you know, you've been healed because over the years, like he just saw me just learning, growing, overcoming and just becoming like completely different creation. And then he said, second of all, he said, your book has a purpose. And I always thought, you know, the purpose is going to be to help others to see this story of overcoming, to see the story of salvation, to see that there's that God's hand is not too short to see that you can overcome the trauma and thrive. But actually it was for me, honestly, if, if nobody ever would read that book, it was my therapy for three years. I was writing my manuscript, looking back from a new perspective, I actually been healed and reconciled with myself and with my family, with my past, because now I was, a mom and a wife and a housekeeper and a, a church woman. So I have like, so almost like emerged that. So it, there was no more that imposter syndrome, like, oh, I don't deserve this, like, or oh, anything like that. It's literally like merged the part that, oh, this is was be before me meeting my husband and my God, and this is my life, a good life you know, then like that barrier disappear. And I'm like, oh, this is all my life. And it is good life. It was an easy one. But guess what? It's mine. And that's what made me who I am today. And then I realized that that God was so faithful to me, like from beginning to the end. And it's led me to this point. And honestly, now everything I do right now, it's kind of because of that. So now I can like support people, encourage people, share this message of overcoming and survive and creating awareness, advocate for people who still in captivity or like create the awareness or doing fundraiser. Actually, guys, like if you're going to see me, I have like crazy bold red lipstick I'm wearing today. And because the organization that I'm part of it called Fight for Freedom and it's our annual fundraiser so if you want to check it out on our website and do stuff like that and honestly 
I love it. I truly love it that I have this purpose that I I didn't die as a roadkill because what a waste of life. And now everything that happened to me serves this purpose to serve others. Oh, wow. Yes, absolutely. And how incredible that you met this person because there's not too many people who think that way is there. There's but so guess much what? judgment. I just want to say, yeah, I want to say when you say judgmental, like it's, it's, I don't want you guys to think if you're never going to meet this person, you cannot come out and you cannot be healed. He is not perfect. No. Trust me. It just was that moment. Just don't, don't think like, oh, she's lucky. She got this guy. That's why it happened. Because we had so much trauma in our marriage that we have to overcome because no way like in life, if you go through life, you have a trauma. So when two people who has trauma get together, it's trauma. We cannot create perfect marriage. The one thing that both of us did, we just didn't give up. So he's not perfect. I'm not perfect, but we were so close. And honestly, it's been what, like 16 years, we're still working on our marriage every time, you know? So I just want to point that out. Yes, it was beautiful that I met him, but... If you think you don't have a person like that in your life, you still have someone who's going to love you and support you and get you through whatever you need to like do. Trust me, yeah. you're going to be okay. It's a really good, good point to make. I believe that more people are trafficked today than at any other time in history, which is actually astounding to me. I just don't think that most people have any idea of how much this is going on. What are the statistics of human trafficking? Well, actually, I'm not looking at the numbers because when I get looking at the numbers and I say the numbers, you can get discouraged. So what I'm actually more look into it, how many amazing organizations and people fight against that and you know what it's it's so widespread and we think that we cannot do like make even dent but you know what i do believe everybody can help somebody so if you guys like want to get involved research like in your country in your region because one gentleman said on my podcast actually he said serve where you stand So, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't need to go to another country or anything like that. You can research the organization that actually local on the ground and you can partner up and you can make a difference. You can donate funds, you can create awareness, you know, and be in your element, you know, like, of course, like if you've been called, you can donate the ground funds or anything, but you can do what you can do with what you have. I like to talk a little bit about misconceptions and maybe red flags we talk about the number one was dysfunctional family but there is substance abuse as well and mental health concerns and the people being held against their will but some are afraid for their safety and most being manipulated like i was or controlled playing on their human needs on some of them being controlled with fear, isolation, guilt, and shame. That's actually a big trap as well that people get enslaved with. And we talk about a little bit that 
you don't have to be actually trafficked to different countries and victims actually playing on somebody that they know and most of the time it's family and friends which is very very hard to understand boys and men are trafficked as well so there are few red flags you guys can look for actually grooming grooming it's the first part when they getting lured into it and anyone can get into this trap. So a specific sign to watch for. Number one, it's being secretive about the activities. If your child is hiding something, when you're asking them like, oh, where are this? Oh, I haven't taken cell phone and some money or clothing or jewelry that they never had before, you know, and they cannot afford that's a huge red flag. You have to ask the question. Or if they have this some kind of secret boyfriend who doesn't want to come to meet the family or doesn't want his number to show or something like that, huge red flag. You have to look into it because that's the part of the luring. There's three different types of the predator. One of them, like I think she called the Romeo, like who who would play on the love, you know, like and give shower the girls with the compliments and being like that Romeo style, like, you know, like make them fall in love and then ask them for a picture or something inappropriate or something like that. And then they trap. And then it's the another one that would abuse psychologically, you know, some some shame, guilt, and condemnation. And another one would be like physical already threats and stuff like that. So definitely watch behavior because behavior will change if you pay attention to your kid. And I'm not talking about like going through puberties, like attitude and stuff like that. There's some sign that you as a parent will see that something changed. And listen to your gut and intuition because if that person living into your home you can see something's going on. So just act on that. You know, don't dismiss anything. Stay vigilant. Better safe than sorry. You know, yes, ask yes. the questions. So, yeah. And then definitely if you are see the victim of human trafficking, that would be signs of like being fearful, anxious, depressed, paranoid, tense, nervous, and uh, Big, big red flag. It's the signs of abuse. If you see like bruises, fractures, and then really big one, if you can see the tattoo symbols, you know, especially names, that's definitely branding and this person already dropped. And and obviously, if you see the red flag, you know, you can immediately call 911 if you see someone in danger and or your local local police service or human trafficking hotline. You know, don't put yourself in danger, you know, because sometimes we are afraid to make the moves because it's such a scary situation. So don't, please don't. There's professionals to do that, but you can do your part to save that person's life. There's all of this hotlines are anonymous so you know you can call and tell them everything that you see or hear let them investigate let them do their job but you have to do yours yeah 
That's such good advice. Did you say something about branding? Yes. So when you have a cattle or animals, you know how the farmer would put this brand on their body so everybody would know that this cattle or whatever animals they brand belongs to this farm. They actually can brand the person by putting a name or the symbol that everybody know that this person belongs to these people. Wow. Okay. And I usually they that. like they could put it like on a neck or the wrist somewhere visible. Yes. Wow. Your book, Miraculous, My Journey from Hell to Heaven. I know you wrote that book because you want to encourage and inspire other people. Can you talk a little bit about why you wrote the book? Yes, absolutely. Honestly, I do. I do believe that's another God story because I would never share. I thought like after 20 years, nobody ever going to know anything about me. I thought it's going to be a secret that I'm going to take it to my grave. And honestly, I know that until it's actually come out to light, it's always been lurking. As much as I love to pretend that it didn't happen because it was there and it wasn't dealt with. It's still that that trauma that was unresolved trauma, you know. And what happened with the book, I actually realized how liberating, just like spit everything out on the on a paper. So that's another thing that I like to recommend you guys. Like if you dealing with stuff that you cannot tell anyone, just write. Let it come out because it's going to be grieving you, eating you alive. It's going to make you sad, upset, depressed. Like just just let it go. But there's another like really powerful tool. If you need help, you can take that. Like you don't have to write a book. It can be a letter, but you need to write about whatever you need to come out. So you can take that and give it to someone that you trust and they can help you. So when it starts coming to light, you're going to realize that you're not going to be stoned, like abandoned, you know, rejected, because everybody go through so much hell through their life. But we believe that when, if I going to share the truth with someone, that I going to be like, like rejected. And honestly, guys, if somebody will reject you, that's the wrong person. That's mm. it. You just go to someone else, but choose wisely in the beginning. And you're going to realize how powerful that lies in our mind, body, and soul that tells us that we are not good enough, not worthy of love, not worthy of being safe, not worthy of being in peace. That's a huge, huge lie. And when I wrote that book and even like when manuscript come out and my editor read it for the first time, first human being actually read about my story and the email that she sent it to me, I was like crying. I couldn't stop. I couldn't believe it. She she called me brave. She said, I'm so grateful that you sharing this story. I would be so honored to actually create this into the book. Like she gave me this amazing feedback 
that I was like just blown away because fear was that big. So honestly, it was such a miraculous transformation to see what people actually think about that. And over these years, guys, nobody rejected and stoned me. People coming and hugging me and loving on me and praying for me and supporting me. And actually, it's been just amazing. Wow. It, it is true. It's just, it's sharing our story is so important. And there is so much shame that we hold until we realize that sharing is that connection, isn't it? It's such a connection. I will put the the link to Miraculous in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to let people know about what you're doing with human trafficking? Yes, absolutely. This amazing organization that I'm part of it called Fight for Freedom. And we we have like few other places like around the world, but now if you would like to know more, just go on my website. So people who comes to my website, not only read about me and what I'm doing, they actually can see uh, different organizations who support, for example, like one of them, Addict to Athlete. I was thinking that's fantastic because it helped me so much to actually quit the drugs and concentrate on like building my body, my mind. So it helped me to stay clean all of these years, you know, and to see how people lives transform by this amazing organization. Then, of course, fight for freedom. I want you guys to know that we're fighting against crime. And if something resonates with you, you can actually partner up with them, you know, and, and help them to grow their mission because their mission is to take care of the people and they're already on the ground. So that's the really cool. And actually, I just want to close up in with an amazing quote, if you don't mind. Based on what I have shared with you today, I want to leave you with this quote by Marion Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And as we let our own light shine, we give other people permission to do the same. And my light shines bright these days. Now it's time for you to shine yours upon the world too. Oh, I just love that quote. It's so beautiful and it's so true. Lena, thank you. This has been an incredible conversation. I suppose we all like to believe that the world is becoming a better and better place, but the statistics on human trafficking, it just shows that we've clearly got such a long way to go. Thank you for being so brave and putting your story out into the world. It's just bringing awareness to such an important topic. We need more people like you to speak truth in order to create change. And thank you so much for sharing everything today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. 
If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.